You are here with Kara and Catherine, and this is for Church Girls Only. Real conversations for today's church girl, navigating life with salvation in mind. church girls hey <laughs> we are back today with another yet unscripted episode of for church girls only um i love this i really do love this about us that we just you know in the three minutes that we're saying hello to each other like you know what we need to address this topic today so today we are going to talk about trials and temptations with I think an emphasis on the trials because if you haven't noticed 2020 has been a it's like the collector's edition of Jumanji like I don't know what is happening right now um (laughs) it's it's just a thing so you know between you know the the racial not even reconciliation, what is the word that I saw? The racial reckoning that is happening and the pandemic that is happening and just everything that is going on. It has been, you know, to this point, eight months of trial. Like every month is just like, okay, you said you can stick it out. Let's let's see what you're gonna do, you know, this month. You know, every new month we're like, just come in, sit down, make no noise. And every month is something new. So, you know, throwing a little humor in there, but we do have a lot of different things that we are dealing with. We, we all have our trials, you know, from unemployment, illness, losing loved ones, you know, not being able to see our friends and family members the way that we wanted to, you know, even not being able to go into a worship building because it's not safe for everyone. And, you know, trying to do the right thing to keep the most vulnerable of our population safe in this, you know, pandemic that we're dealing with. It's just a lot. And if that wasn't enough, you know, Car and I, we've told you before that we met through, you know, blogging being, you know, digital content creators and having to deal with, you know, even just saying it, dealing with our sisters, you know, kind of going after one another and, you know, something that we'll talk about later in the episode. But I think what has been on, you know, both of our hearts, you know, we've been praying about it, um, you know, without ceasing because we have a, a mutual friend who is dealing with, a spiritual attack and it is coming through the form of her business and her community and the things that she has put her heart into you know for almost a decade just really you know trying to give of herself and you know not I'm, I'm not going to you know put myself in a position of telling her you know full story because I know there's a lot of stuff that's going on but because we are, you know, church girls and looking at everything from a spiritual perspective, we understand that, you know, she is dealing with a spiritual attack right now. And 
the reason we wanted to even bring this up and address the issue is because she is far from the only person who has gone through a spiritual attack, who is going through a spiritual attack, or who will go through a spiritual attack. So we wanted to come to you today to try to give, you know, a little bit of perspective and insight and wisdom on how to deal with this situation when it's your turn. Because as you are, you know, a daughter of the king, there will be, if you haven't had it yet, there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to, you know, endure a spiritual attack and you are going to have your trials and temptations that you have to fight against and walk through this storm that is, you know, is going to be a part of your life at some point. Um, when it comes to tests and trials, there's two sides to it. And I think we often miss that. I think that there's the side, actually, I want to say there's three sides. Let's say it like that. Like there's the side that we know that it's for the making of us. We know that it's, you know, there to purify us and to make us come forth as pure gold and to strengthen our faith. Um, I believe in what book is that? I can't remember the book. I'm gonna look it up though. Um, but it literally says that the trying of your faith, it works patience. I believe that's in James, um, that it works patience. And when you think about it that way, you're looking at it from a spiritual side. So that spiritual perspective and looking at it through the eyes of faith and looking through it through the eyes of God says that I know that this doesn't feel good, but it's good for me. Then there's another side, the second side of it that says, this does not feel good. I'm in my flesh. I want to get out of this. Like, how do I fix this? How do I change this? Like, let me get out of here immediately. Right. And that's the flesh perspective. And then there's that third perspective that we often don't think about, which is what is the enemy really trying to accomplish by bringing this up in my life? Mm -hmm. And that's the part that we underestimate a lot of times. We don't see it as this is an attack of the enemy meant to throw me off course from what God really has for me. We just think that this terrible thing is happening to me. Oh my gosh. Like we're either going to go one of two ways. We're either going to experience it in our flesh. We're going to have all the feels and all of that, which there's nothing wrong with that, but we do need to learn how to reel it in, or we're going to jump into the spiritual side of it and say, okay, I know what I need to do. I know I need to war. I know I need to pray. I know I need to fast and put on my spiritual armor and fight this the way that God intended me to. Um, and so, you know, there's just, there's like all of these things going on, these different dimensions going on. And I think that when we underestimate that third factor, the factor of what the enemy is trying to accomplish in our life, um, we sometimes get off course because if we realize that this was sent by the enemy to do X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. we would, we would respond differently. Yeah. I don't know. Like I'm like that kind of, I have a silent competitive nature about me sometimes. And it's like, I'm like, you know, you're not going to get the best of me. If I think about it from that third perspective, that's when it's like, okay, everything just kicks into gear. And it's like, nah, you're not about to get the best of me. Like, <laughs> so, you know, the other thing that we have to remember about when we go through our trials is that it doesn't just affect us it also affects the people who are around us. And with, you know, our, our particular friend who was, you know, who is going through her trial right now, it's, it's an attack that, you know, is 
is happening to her, but is affecting the people around her. So even in the spiritual attack that's happening to her, the enemy is using this, this situation to hinder the progress of the people who are around her. And, you know, for me in particular, I was supposed to be, you know, I'm, I'm doing it, you know, but I was supposed to be making progress on a book that I'm writing. And because I was, you know, I'm so close to, you know, this particular situation, the attack against her distracted me from the work that God had put on my heart because I was caught up in, okay, this is not, we can't do this. I need to be, you know, front and center and making sure that this does not happen. And it completely pulled me away from what God had told me to do. So even not being personally attacked myself, the enemy is still working to keep me from doing what I'm doing. And, and I think because, you know, when we can, you know, when we are, are tried and tested, we get caught up in what is happening to us and how this is affecting us and, and what this is stopping us from doing without realizing that this may not be just about me. Like, it, the enemy is kind of like getting a, a two for one is like, oh, attack one, get one free. <laughs> no. And, you know, even being on the outside looking in, having to, you know, guard yourself and say, okay, this is not my trial. This is not my test. I need to guard myself from being drawn into it because I have a work that I have to do and I cannot be distracted by someone else's situation. But I mean, it's, it's really hard to not do that, especially when it's someone that you love and care about to, you know, step back and be like, oh, well, I'm sorry that you're happening. This is happening to you. Um, best of luck with that. But, you know, even with, you know, going back to the story of Job, you know, what did his, his friends, you know, stop and they mourned with him the, you know, the time that they were supposed to be mourning, but then they were like, okay, so why are you still here? You know, we're supposed to be doing stuff, but you're still dealing with all of this and now we got to deal with you. You know, they were distracted from whatever they were supposed to be doing, trying to be, you know, trying to be focused on, okay, Joe, why aren't you over this yet? Like, you know, it happened, get over it. You know, God said that he was going to protect you and he didn't move on. You know, they were, they were busy being distracted by what God was working in Job that it pulled them away from whatever they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, and I think that there, like you said, it, it, your test and your trial and going through that um, is not just about you. It, it does affect those that are connected to you. So I do think that that also puts you in a precarious situation because you kind of feel like um, the way that you're dealing with it or processing it can also have an effect mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And I know, you know, just within my, my group of friends that I do have, um, I know if I bring my situations to certain ones that they're going to respond certain ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know what friends are going to speak life into me. I know what friends are going to pray for me. I know what friends are going to like go down a path with me. If I'm in the wrong direction, they go go down that path with me for a little bit. And then they're going to be like, look, sis okay, we done did this, now what are we gonna do, Right. you know? Um, 
And then also realizing that you have friends that are a little weaker in faith too. And that's not to judge anyone, but also realizing too, like you have to know where to go and how to share the things that you're going through. Um, not just because you're trying to be fake or trying to put up a facade, but also so that you can gain strength. Because I know for me, when I'm going through something, I'm really like really fighting and trying my hardest to make sure that, you know, I'm keeping my faith and believing God's word throughout that test or that trial, no matter how intense or how hard it may be. Um, And so, you know, when you have a friend that you love and you care about and they're going through you, it kind of makes you now like question like, okay, now that the shoes on the other feet, like how do I show up for them? Mm -hmm. How do I respond to their tests and trials? And am I being, you know, spiritually supportive um, to my friend during this time? Yeah. Continuing on with what you said, like we, when it comes to the testing of our faith, we always go back to Job and, you know, it's like we see that God was like, okay, you can test my my servant Job because there's nothing you can do to him to make him turn away from me. And I think from that, like even in the garden, it was like God was like, they love me enough to, you know, have faith in me and stick by me no matter what. And the enemy was like, I bet. I bet you, and all throughout history, it has been the enemy putting, bringing situations up to say, okay, God, let's bet on this one because you said they loved you enough, but I bet you they don't. And that's what it's been throughout history. And I think because we don't, we don't readily identify ourselves as living in biblical times because we associate it with Old Testament and 2000 years ago and when Jesus was walking the earth, we don't readily see that the enemy is still like all right god i bet you i can get this one like there's you know there's scripture that says you know it's that the enemy is constantly trying to you know pull more people away from god and we don't see it as easily as people did you know in the biblical days you know so that when these things come up when you know conflict and strife happens in our lives we don't look at it as a spiritual attack. It's just like, I cannot believe that this person that I call my friend would act this way. And I forget it very easily that, you know, we're, we're looking for the, the devil to come up in a, you know, with a pitchfork and horns and all of that stuff when we don't see him moving through the people who are closest to us, to, through the people that we have called friends, you know, through our relatives, through our church members, because he moves through people. You know, it would be easy for us to identify him if he walked up in the church with, you know, the pitchfork and and horns. Like, we'd be like, oh, no, we see you. You know, get out. You know, he's not going to be that obvious. You know, he's very smooth, smooth, very manipulative, um, very cunning, you know, prowling around like a lion looking for, you know, someone to destroy. Yeah. Oh, you hit that right on the head, sis. (laughs) And I think that's the part that we, we do struggle with seeing it through, through the right perspective and through the right lens. And I think that it is, it's human nature to see it through the natural, 
you know, um, and to try to label it as such or like, oh, this person is tripping or, oh, you know, that person is mean or whatever, but not realizing that, you know, the enemy is going to use things that matter to us to tempt us. It's not going to, it's not temptation. It's not a testing. It's not a trial if it's not something that hits close to home for us. Otherwise, you're not bothered by it. It has no effect. Um, and so I think for me, even for a very long time, and I'm sure that many of us can attest to this, where you'll go through a certain situation, the same situation over and over and over again, until you realize that you have not been responding the right way. And it's like, it literally takes God, like tapping you on the shoulder, like, come on, hey, listen, I've been telling you what it is. Like the, the tapping was not working. I, I had to get slapped <laughs> by the head. Um, I mean, and even then I was like, hey, and kept doing what I was, <laughs> what I was doing. Um, you know, actually it was, you know, relationships. And I did not, I was going through the same cycle over and over again, trying to, you know, find find love and find marriage the way that I thought I needed to do it. And it wasn't until like right before I met my husband, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I like, I'm just, I'm not going to be married. I'm just going to have to figure this out and, and figure out how to live life as a single woman. And you know what? All right, God, it's going to be me and you, you know, what are we doing? And then I met my husband and even then it was like, okay, I like this, but let me take a couple of steps back, you know, and even with him, you know, I fell in love with his conversation because we talked for a month and a half before we ever met, you know, in real life, because we met online. And even then, I'm thankful that he was more intentional about taking it slowly because I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. You know, I'm, I'm ready to jump in and was ready to be like, okay, thanks, God, you got me here. All right, I'm good. I'm good. You know, and that's not how that works. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, being very watchful about the temptation of falling back into the same old patterns and the same old, um, you know, mindsets that God was trying so hard to bring you out of, you know, that's where, like you said, the temptation is not an issue unless it's something that hits close to home. And like we talked about um, the episode where we talked about the hierarchy of sin, you know, it was very easy it's very easy for us to judge people for what they're doing because that's not where we struggle we have different struggles the enemy knows that he does not come at us with a blanketed attack you know he he curates what he's going to use to attack us because it has to be a special blend that's going to be you know fragrant to us you know i like sweet wine he's not going to get me with a red blend because i don't like that but, you know, put some Stella in front of me. Hey, hey, let's drink. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, sis, you over here preaching today. Take a text. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's the truth, though. I used to tell when I did youth groups, um, and, and I pretty much started working in, like, the youth department and stuff when I was a teenager still. But I used to tell my young people, like, you know, the devil's not going to come to you with coffee when he knows you like ice cream. 
you know it's like if if you like ice cream he gonna sit he gonna study you he gonna make sure he knows exactly what flavor of ice cream you like and he gonna keep bringing it to you in that way every single time so i love that analogy i love the way that you stated that it's very true like he knows what's going to entice you um and i think that when we look at it like from a scriptural perspective, a biblical perspective, um, you know, the word of God tells us that, you know, that um, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. Um, and we often don't readily recognize when we're being enticed in those ways, but usually those are the only forms that the enemy is going to come at us through. Right. And so he's going to attack us concerning those three areas. And so it's kind of like, you know, when we hear the word tell us to watch and to pray, we do the praying part, <laughs> especially when things start to heat up, right? We, we do the praying part, but sometimes we're not watching. Sometimes we're not paying attention to what's really going on. And that's usually when, you know, God has to do something to get our attention in the midst of that, to say like, no, right. <laughs> you're not looking at this one right. <laughs> And that's like, you know, even even saying the Lord's Prayer, I think we've gotten so, at least me, have gotten so um, routine with it that you just rattle off those words and not really, don't really take in what they're meaning. Um, and, you know, the, the line where it says, you know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And God is not going to lead you into temptation, but you have to be watchful that you are not led because he's not leading. He's never going to be like, Hey, go over here and, and see how close you can get to this temptation before you need me. You know, he's always saying, walk behind me. Let me guard you. Let me help you and teach you how to guard your heart. Um, and you know, that particular line, like you said, should lead us to, you know, to remind us to be watchful while we pray be like, okay, I'm, I'm praying for you to show me these things, but if I'm not looking for them, you can't show me what's right in front of me if I'm not paying attention and, and watching out for it. Absolutely. Um, I love that you brought out the Lord's Prayer, and I think I, I wanted to do like a, a session about how to pray that for yourself, yeah. because I think a lot of times, like you said, like when we recite it, sometimes we, it doesn't hit as close to home because it's not, we haven't put context to the words, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the Lord had kind of been putting on my heart, like when you're praying, you, the things that you're praying about should touch on those areas. Um, and, and you have to start calling out the things in your life that directly relate to that. What is the things that, what are the, excuse me, what are the things that you're tempted by, you know, and start asking God for help in those areas. Like, God, help me with my, let me talk about me. God, help me with my mouth. So I'll be saying stuff that I'll have a business saying, okay, like, help me, Lord, to, to make sure that I'm saying the things that you would have me to say and speak and not to be incited by anger or emotions. And you know what I mean? To where I'm, I'm going off the deep end when I know I shouldn't be, right. you know? Um, and so, you know, I think when we, when we talk about the Lord's prayer, we have to really put it into context that, that, that Jesus was giving us the framework, right? And he was teaching us how to insert the things that concern us into that framework so that it can become real 
and it can really relate to us. Um, and then the other piece that you brought out about God not tempting us is actually scriptural um, in the book of James in the first chapter. Um, it literally says in verse 13, it says, let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither he tempteth any man. And then it says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Mm-hmm. So it's really like, there's just this, this, this underlying current of us really not only not understanding what's going on, but also us not realizing what's inside of us mm-hmm. and what we're enticed by and what really draws our attention or pulls at us. Mm-hmm. And I think that it kind of speaks to us realizing that as we're walking this walk, temptation is going to come. Yes. Like it's always meant to overthrow our faith and to get in, in between the relationship that we have with God. But more importantly, it's also us learning ourselves and learning what weaknesses, what, what, um, what idiosyncrasies we have, what we're inclined to and realizing that God is the Holy spirit is there for us to be able to overcome those things. But if we're not actively working on it, if we're not actively, you know, pointing it out and calling it out and praying about it and casting it off, like all of these things, you know, we gonna fall into temptation sometimes and we're gonna mess up. And I believe that, you know, in order for us to walk this walk successfully, we just have to be honest about who we are and where we're at with things. Like we didn't get it right. We haven't gotten it all right, but what are we working on today to get better? Yeah, I um, I was telling my husband the other day, I was like, I have to, you know, especially with everything being so, <clears throat> with everything being so politically and racially charged right now, like I, I recognized years ago that my biggest um, you know, stumbling block was being judgmental. You know, like I, I got an opinion. And, you know, with everything going on, especially this year, I, you know, was telling him the other day, I was like, I have to be very intentional that when I want to be informed on something that I don't read the comments, you know, just, you know, read what the article is, take it at face value. Um, You know, if it's something that I need to be, you know, I need the backstory on, then, you know, being very careful about that, because I was telling, as I was telling him, it's very easy because there's so much hate going back and forth in the comments, it, it's very easy for me to get caught up in the vitriol. And I don't want my, my spirit to be, you know, affected by all of that and then turning me against people. Um, because there are millions of people who disagree with the things that I disagree with and are not, you know, that's just human nature. But my responsibility is to make sure that I'm still walking with Christ in my responses. So I've had to, you know, be very cognizant of that and be like, don't read the comments, <laughs> you know, just do not read the comments because I'm be like, yeah, that dude is trash, you know, and then I'm slipping into that, you know, temptation of being judgmental. It's not my place to do that. And I'm, you know, not walking out my faith if I'm judging other people, regardless of how I feel about their in, their opinion. So that's me having to, you know, put up the guards and to watch my own heart because I know where my temptation is in that. <clears throat> um, so, you know, bringing that up because we're talking to our, you know, our church sisters, 
I'm thinking about the different areas that I guess would be stereotypically where our trials and temptations would come from um, and want to talk a little bit more about like how we can can be watchful and guard ourselves against that. So in talking about, you know, the different trials and temptations that we as women face, like we have kind of a list that we generally see in ourselves and in, you know, some of our women, you know, our sisters, and it's not an all-inclusive list by any means, but definitely, and, you know, I'm just going to put myself out there and say a lot of these are things that I personally have struggled with or still struggle with, you know, in my humanity and in my flesh, but I have recognized it in myself. So I try to, you know, be intentional about, you know, guarding myself. So the, I guess the main ones that we see and struggle with would be anger, gossip, or backbiting, which I, I really have to watch out for that one. Um, vengeance, like wanting to get back at somebody because we are also struggling with unforgiveness. When someone does, you know, something to hurt us instead of forgiving, and that's actually the devotional that I'm reading now. My morning devotional is, um, does forgiveness, does forgiving someone make you a doormat? Because I think a lot of times we feel like if we forgive a person for how they've wronged us, we're allowing them to walk over us and to, you know, that we're making ourselves their doormat, which leads to the whole, you know, temptation of vengeance and getting back at them and not letting God handle it. And by the way, that's a really good devotional. Um, we deal with jealousy. And a lot of times I think that becomes, that comes about because of our own lack of self-esteem or, you know, lack of confidence that we have in ourselves, which leads us to being jealous of another woman, which as I, I you know, call it the sin of comparison, where I'm, you know, comparing myself to another woman, how, you know, God has blessed her or the the path that God has put her on and trying to figure out why am I not on the same path when, you know, God has a path for each of us as individuals. Um, that can lead to, you know, divisiveness and what we are, you know, seeing in our community right now is a lot of these other different temptations have led to a spirit of divisiveness and it's very easy to you know fall into that and the last one that you know again not an all-inclusive list but the last one which was one that i struggled with for many many years was the temptation of promiscuity because i had always like my parents didn't teach me this but i allowed my peers and society and movies and all these things teach me that being sexually promiscuous was how I was supposed to get the man who was going to love me and then one day marry me and not following God's word of, you know, abstaining and saving myself from marriage and being pure and being devoted to him and allowing God to bring a man instead of me putting, literally putting myself out there. Um, to, you know, try to get a man on my own terms. Um, 
like that led to, you know, that was a situation where God slapped me upside the back of my head. And I was like, ow, that hurt. But, you know, not getting the message the first time, you know, I had to get a couple of thumps. <laughs> that part. So, yeah. you know, recognizing that these are, I think, more common temptations that we know or that we are, you know, really comfortable admitting like what how are we supposed to navigate these things like what what should we do when we are facing these particular trials and temptations well i think um you know we kind of touched on them a little bit in what we were talking about earlier in terms of us first of all recognizing that those things are areas of weakness for us and understanding that just because we have these weaknesses it doesn't mean that it isolates us from God or from his help and realizing that when we bring it to the forefront, it allows for opportunity for us to be strengthened, for us to be cleansed and for God to help us to be able to overcome them. Um, I think one of the, one of the things that we tend to miss is that it's not, it's not just a me thing my temptation yes even though it is personal everybody has them right and as long as we're in this flesh we're going to be confronted with temptation we're going to be confronted with things that you know we just have areas of weakness in but we also have to realize that our salvation affords us an opportunity that otherwise we wouldn't have which is that we have the spirit of god living on the inside of us to help us to navigate through the temptations so that we don't fall short so that we don't become victims to the temptations that we have but we can become overcomers um one of the one of the scriptures that i wanted to bring out um is that um we have to realize that when we're walking in the flesh it it weakens us right so every time I decide that I'm going to give into the temptations, I'm going to give into the way that I feel um, and not consider what the, the spirit of the Lord tells me to do or has me to do, I'm going to always fall short. But um, there are a couple of scriptures that I wanted to bring out. One of the scriptures is um, in Galatians 5 and 16. It says, um, it says, I say this. Um, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then, of course, you know, Romans talks about that dichotomy between the flesh and the spirit so eloquently. I love Paul for that. Like, oh my gosh. Um, but uh, in the eighth chapter of Romans, if you just kind of read in through there and he's talking about, you know, there's basically this enmity that's always there against God that that is the person of my flesh that wants to do what it wants to do, right? Um, but he literally tells us um, in the sixth verse, he says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And if we see it as it being a choice, we kind of put the ball back into our court to say, I'm going to make a decision. Um, I'm going to choose life and I'm going to choose peace today. And I think that if we put all of those, those things that you listed into perspective in that way, that I can choose to be this way, or I can choose to give into these emotions and behaviors, 
or I can choose life and peace, which tells me, you know, to follow after Christ and to allow the fruit of the spirit to work in my life. Um, you know, to be able to let go of things that have hurt me, to be able to, you know, speak peaceably to those that misuse me and abuse me and mistreat me. Um, even looking through the Beatitudes in Matthew, um, where Jesus tells us, blessed are they, like, if we actually start applying that to our lives and realizing that it's not just on us to fulfill it, but we also have the help of the Holy Spirit to help us to walk it out and to be what God has called us to be. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing that I wanted to um, just kind of bring out is that we have a hard time picking ourselves up after we fall or after we fail. And I've been in that place. And I think for me, I'm one of those people and I think I'm just like very, very hard on myself when I mess up. Um, but realizing that God doesn't treat us that way. He doesn't look at us in that respect or in that light. And understanding that if we fall and if we fail, that there is help for us. We just have to seek it. And um, one of the scriptures that I really love is actually found in the Old Testament in a, in a very familiar passage of Psalms. Um, Psalms 34 and 6, it says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all of his troubles. And if you fall and you fail, realize that you have that, you're afforded that same opportunity to cry unto the Lord and to receive the help that you need in the time of trouble. Yeah, it's, um, and it's, I was very moved by that because I, I still think about, you know, I, I did something, you know, I fell and made a mistake 20, over 20 years ago. And, you know, I carried I carried that that grief around for 20 years because I felt like, you know, there's no way that God could ever forgive me for this. And, you know, just <clears throat> not forgiving myself when he had already forgiven me for it, like helped to, you know, make the chasm between me and God wider. And it was nothing that, you know, God was like, I've, I've forgiven you, but, you know, I walked around in my shame and, and being unable to forgive myself that it just pushed me. Like I walked further and further away from Christ because I failed, but did not, you know, allow myself to remember that it was okay for me to make a mistake and get up and continue walking. And you know, just recently, you know, I would say like within the last two years, I was finally able to let that go and say, okay, God, you did forgive me. You were just waiting for me to recognize that you had forgiven me and to, you know, allow myself to heal. Um, but, you know, it's, that's another, that's another tactic of the enemy is to keep us in our grief and in our shame to say that there's no way God could ever forgive you for this. So you're gonna have to keep going through this and you're gonna have to keep, um, you know, feeling badly about whatever the thing was because there's no way, you know, he can forgive you for for this. Like, this is too big. Like, you, you, you've done it now. He's not gonna forgive you for this, you know? And that's another, I think we kind of, I think we sometimes prolong our trials because we we fail to forgive ourselves um, when God has already forgiven us. Yeah, and I think that it's it's 
definitely a tactic of the enemy, as you said, to keep us stuck in a place. Because as long as I don't see, um, as long as I don't see the for forgiveness that God has given me, mm -hmm. it's always going to be a sensitive place. And I'm always going to be, so to speak, like hiding, just like Adam and Eve were in the garden, right? After they knew that they messed up, mm -hmm. instead of like, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if I would have done it or not, but I do, I do like to think that I would just kind of be like the person that just told on myself, like, Hey God, like I'm right here. I, I messed up. Like I really screwed this one up. You know, I just, <laughs> I would like to think that I'm that person, but Hey, I don't know. Um, but I think that that's what shame does for us. It kind of keeps us hiding. And especially when it comes to our Christian walk, um, making us feel like we're unworthy, making us feel like we're not in position or in place to be the light that God has called us to be. And so what that does is it kind of dampens our witness and kind of keeps us from being the ambassadors press that he's really called us to in the earth, right? Because w there's this little thing on the back of our head or, you know, uh, tapping us on our shoulder that's telling us that we're not good enough. And we keep inclining our behaviors um, and even our witness towards that is like, well, I'm not going to speak out about what God has delivered me from because in my mind, I'm still guilty of it, right? when that's not how God's forgiveness works at all. You know, it's for him, it's like, you know, you repent, you turn away from it, you are free and clear. And it's as if it never happened. Um, and I think that, you know, we have to focus more on the power of the blood of Christ than the, the greatness of the thing that we've done that was wrong. Because compared to the power of God's, blood and the sacrifice that he made for us it's really no comparison like all sin was covered all sin was taken care of once and for all um and so once we realize that it kind of gives us the ability to relinquish and to let go of that guilt and that fear and i'm not saying that it happens all at once right. but as we learn and we continuously you know learn and teach ourselves that concerning whatever it is that we you know have done it helps us to walk out better in the in the what is it the liberty wherewith christ has made us free as the scripture says like we have that liberty and we don't have to live in shame or in guilt yeah so i think um to kind of wrap this up i want to you know talk about what does it mean for us in relation to our um, our spiritual walk when we go through a trial? Like what, to kind of help us look at the big picture of it? Because, you know, as we stated earlier, you know, we don't, we don't want the trial. Like we don't want the lessons that are to be learned in the trial, but we have to, you know, sometimes we have to go through these things. And it may not be as extreme as what some other people go through but we all have our trials in some shape form or fashion and i think it would be helpful to really bring out like what the purpose is at the end of the day like how the the hope that we can have when we are in the midst of our trials well um i'm definitely gonna go to scripture for this i think um in James chapter one, in verse four, 
um, it tells us let patients have our perfect work. But let me start before that, okay? Let's go to verse two. So it says like, it basically says my brethren, but we talking to sisters today. My sisters, <laughs> count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, meaning that when you're overtaken with a lot, a lot of temptations, tests, trials. It says, know this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Um, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. Um, and I did a study on this word patience and it's kind of like the word that we say like, oh, like God, give me patience, but we don't really realize like what we're really asking for. <laughs> yep. And that word patience in the Greek is actually talking about um, developing um, endurance. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you don't, you don't realize that you're being strengthened in the moment because you feel weak, right? But what it really is doing as you're going through is it's actually strengthening you. It's helping you to endure. It's helping you to grow in your faith. And I, I believe that that's the part of it for us that we have to look at it as, is it doesn't feel good to go through um, when we're going through, but it also affords us an opportunity to grow in faith that we would not have otherwise, because faith really isn't faith until it's been tested. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know, at least for me, I would like to think that, you know, before, before Jesus comes back, I want to be as close to God as I possibly can be. You know, I want to, I want to be all that I possibly can be in Christ um, before he returns. And, you know, we're never going to get to that place or I'm never going to get to that place unless I go through the temptations, unless I go through the trials. Um, there's another place in scripture and I'll pull it up. Um, where it literally talks about um, you being uh, as something to the effect that your trials are like fire and it's going to purify you or basically make you into gold. And realizing that our trials is also a purification process for us too. So there are things about ourselves that we would not learn or know unless we went through a test or a trial that brought out, hey, this is what's going on inside of you, right? Um, I, I may not have known that you know i have i have issues with backbiting or i have issues with um with jealousy unless i was put in the position to feel that way right and so when god affords us the opportunity to go through those tests and trials and allow us to see ourselves it also helps us to know okay this is what i need to pray for this is what i need to work on mm -hmm. this is what i need to relinquish and turn over to god so that he can purify me and make me more than what i am I think it's also important to realize too that it's not so much what you're going through, but how you're going through it. Yeah. And, you know, we um, definitely are going to address like some of the aspects that go into, you know, going through a test and a trial and what that looks like. Um, but we also want to just bring to your mind that if you're going through something right now and you, feel like you haven't been able to put a thumb on it or, you know, been able to identify like, where is this coming from? More likely than not, it is probably a spiritual thing more than it is a natural thing. Yes. And, you know, it's important during this time to tap into the spiritual side of things and to start, you know, sharpening your focus and also sharpening your plan of attack. Um, one of the things that just came to mind for me is um, 
the movie The War Room. Oh, yes. This. And how when things really got, like, when, when the temperature really got hot, you know, our sis knew exactly what to do in terms of planning out a strategic... Well, she actually had somebody that knew what to do. Let me say it that way, if you haven't seen the movie. But she gave her the, the whole layout, like, no, you need to get serious about this and really put on your spiritual war clothes and go to battle and do what you know to do as a woman of God. And that is what we want to do to empower you today, to know that when a test and a trial comes, you have all the right weapons and tools. Yes. And that was, I saw that movie and that was one of the tools that I got. I, I ordered that book. Um, if you're not aware of it, it is called Fervent by Priscilla Shire. You know, it just so happened that when all of this was going on, a friend contacted me and said, I don't know why, but you were on my heart and I just, I needed to call you. And I hadn't heard from this person in almost a year, just out of the blue, she called me. And we started talking and she was like, do you have fervent? Because we need to go through this book again. And I'm like, I have it. I forgot I have it. But, you know, going through that again, that that book um, is an incredible resource for when you're going through, you know, your, your, um, your trial to help you defend yourself in the time of spiritual warfare. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So we, we just want to take a couple of moments out. And I know that you guys are probably getting used to this now, <laughs> that we're going to close this with prayer. Um, I believe in the power of prayer. Catherine believes in the power of prayer. And we know that prayer changes things. And so we really just want to pray and cover every sister that's listening and that will listen to this podcast, um, knowing that, you know, God is with us in our, our time of testing, our time of trial. And that he's there to help us to be able to overcome the things that we're experiencing. So we're going to go before the throne of grace. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for every sister and every person that's going to be touched by this podcast and this episode. God, I pray for those that are experiencing different tests and trials and temptations. I pray, Lord God, that your spirit abide in their life, that you would cover their minds with your peace, that you would give them joy in their hearts, that you would help them to be able to readily recognize and to see the test and the trial for what it really is as an opportunity for you to make them and to grow them and to strengthen them. God, I pray that you would silence the thoughts of the enemy and the words of the enemy that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy us. But I ask, Lord God, that you would allow your spirit and your word to come up in our lives, to be a reminder of your love and your grace for us, that you are a help in trouble, that you are our defense, that you are our covering, and that you will give us everything that we need in the time of our tests, in the time of our trials, so that we can be made to be more like you. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to take joy in knowing that this test and this trial that we're experiencing is an opportunity to grow our faith, is an opportunity to, um, to be purified by you and your word. I ask, Lord God, that you would also help us to recognize that it's also an opportunity for us to grow um, our testimony and our witness for you. I pray, Lord God, that you would cover every sister that's going through um, from the greatest to the least of us, Lord God. I ask that you would strengthen our faith. 
I pray, Lord God, that you would give us a testimony that says that you're faithful and that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can think or ask. And I thank you for the power that's working on the inside of us today. Lord God, we give you praise and glory for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This has been Cara and Catherine, and you've listened to another episode of For Church Girls Only. Make sure to follow us at For Church Girls Only on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, and Church Girls Only on Twitter.